Hey guys, it's Steve Allman. And Cheryl Strait. We have just celebrated the second anniversary of Dear Sugar Radio. We hope to keep making the show for many years to come. Ah, but here's the thing. You, our listeners, are a huge part of that. And that's only going to happen if you can show your support in any amount at wbur.org slash give sugar. That's wbur.org slash give sugar. And thank you. So much. Dear Sugar is supported by... The universe has good news for the lost, lonely, and heartsick. Sugar is here, the both of us, speaking straight into your ears. I'm Cheryl Strayed. I'm Steve Almond. This is Dear Sugar Radio. Oh, dear song, won't you please share some bitter sweet days with me? Hi, Steve. How are you? I'm great. I'm good. You know what? I just want to say what is so fantastic about doing the show with you, one of like a long list of things, is that we wanted to be in the same room when we recorded this program. And I think that partly our impulse, our feeling was that when you're not in the same room with somebody, it's different. And it just something that you can't replace the intimacy of that experience we realized quite early on right exactly i remember that from the very first episode and i get a lot of questions so how do you guys make this show i live in portland oregon you live in boston massachusetts and we make an effort to be together and i do think that looking into each other's eyes affects the nature and the quality of the things we have to say on this show just like it does in real life of course People can have long-distance relationships and technology aids in that. But today we're going to explore the dark side of those kinds of communications, especially when it comes to love. Love in the digital age is our theme. So we threw out to our listeners and said, look, what are your stories? What feedback do you have about love in the digital age? And we got one, Cheryl, that is, it's just a brief one, but I think I should read it to kind of frame this first letter we're going to hear. Dear Sugars, I am 100% confident that social media and all things digital are making it infinitely easier for affairs to spin up and out of control before you even realize what's happening. What seems like friendly banter on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram is the basis of a connection, one that can suck you in and distract you from real life. You can choose to ignore the parts you don't see, like his wife and kids or your own. It's dangerous. And I'm so thankful my husband caught on before it was too late and made me shut it down and somehow forgave me for the road I was barreling down at mock speed. I know others haven't been so lucky. It's so easy. It's just part of our lives now. These easy but false connection points are like a drug if you're lonely or seemingly missing something, and that's not how you fix your life. Mm. I, I think that that statements speak so directly to this first letter we're going to consider today. Yep. Here it is. Dear Sugar, in January, an old college friend reached out to me out of the clear blue. I have not spoken to him or seen him for over 20 years. Back in college, we were nothing more than acquaintances with mutual friends. So when he reached out to me via Facebook message, I was kind of shocked. Since January, we have spoken almost every day while at work. We're both married 
him for five years, me for seventeen. He has no children, I have two. The bulk of our conversations have been very sexual in content, sometimes downright hot and heavy. We have exchanged a few explicit photos as well. During our conversations, I suddenly become alive again. I felt energized that someone who I have not seen or spoken to in over 20 years is telling me that he wants me. He said his biggest regret from college was not pursuing a relationship with me. What 42-year-old woman wouldn't like that little spring in her step from something like this? There was even one message where he told me he loved me and he had real feelings for me. I said the same to him. One of our last messages this week was unbelievable. We went back and forth, just chatting about things, nothing in particular. He told me I was so cute and funny and how he cared for me. I felt like I was on cloud nine. I was surprised by this exchange as it was in the evening, and I know he's home with his wife then. The following day we had a short exchange, and I reached out that night to ask a question. I hesitated in sending this message, but figured since he had reached out to me the previous evening, it was okay. It turns out it was a bad thing, because at that moment he and his wife were looking at something on Facebook. He told her I was an old college friend, which isn't a lie, but she doesn't know the extent of our relationship. One thing I need to mention is that this time last year, my husband and I were on the verge of divorce. I found out he'd cheated on me. We went through therapy, and we're in a much better place now. I love my husband with all my heart, and he is the father of our kids. But am I in love with him is the bigger question. I'm not confident I can have the same hot and heavy conversations and fantasies with my husband as I do with my college friend. My college friend today told me he cannot have issues with his wife, and he needs to tone things down with me. I feel distraught. I have strong feelings for him. I feel like a teenager who just broke up with her boyfriend, even though I know I shouldn't. My parting words to my friend were, I guess I'll talk to you whenever. His response was, we'll talk. I don't know what to do. I'm living in a fantasy world that isn't reality, but it has turned my world upside down. I've had visions of us leaving our spouses and being together. I'm now left dealing with the self-inflicted ramifications of this long-distance Facebook message love affair. How dumb, I think to myself. Sugars, what do you think of this mess I've gotten into? Signed, Torn. Well, it is important to realize that the reason that we reach out, and of course the internet's just a tool and it makes it easier, but the reason we would do this, and men and women have done this throughout history, the reason we seek attention from another is because there's some underlying sense of deprivation. And Torn, what you're telling us is, I felt dead in my marriage, or some part of me felt dead, and this flirtation has brought me alive again. And the way in which it's brought you alive is actually, to be honest, and I don't mean this in a derisive way, but when you speak about it, it's not the way that an adult speaks about a, an adult relationship. You're cute. You're funny. It has the sound of a high school relationship. And she compares herself to a teenager. Right. She, she feels, feels like good, a broken-hearted right. teenager. And I don't blame you one bit because you know what? Cheryl and I are both married and we both have kids and complicated lives and it wears you out. 
But this is a fantasy relationship, and it is extraordinarily destructive to your life. And then I'm going to also say to the relationship you have with your husband and you know to the family that you've built. And the issue isn't so much that you must stop for some you know puritanical reason. It's that you clearly need to address the real issue, which is you need to feel alive in your marriage, if that is possible. Yes. And I think part of being in a long-term monogamy right. is you don't have the thrill of checking Facebook and have some like guy you knew 20 years ago telling you you're awesome. Right. I mean, there's nothing like that first falling in love feeling you know brain science tells us it's actually like a drug like your your body is flooded with brain goo that makes you feel good (laughs) that is the technical is it clear that i'm not a scientist it is not but it it is and it feels like a high and i think we all remember you know i'm sure you remember the early days with aaron i remember the early days with brian i value our love now more i think it's deeper and all that stuff but yeah do i sometimes miss the thrill right And I think that that's what's going on here. And that's what really the digital world really makes possible. I mean, our inbox is full of letters like yours, Torn. You know, I mean, we could read 30 of them right now, and they almost all have the same trajectory. Right. It's somebody from the past. In your case, you hardly knew him. Sometimes it's an old boyfriend or girlfriend. One thing leads to another. You have good intentions pretty soon. You believe yourself to be in love with somebody who isn't real to you, who you really don't know, who isn't somebody you have to contend with in any kind of real world way. Right. And it is a fantasy. It's a fantasy that is destructive, but it can be instructive. It can be the mark to you that it's not that your marriage has to end. Maybe it does have to end. I mean, maybe it is true that the reason for this emotional affair, which is what it is, is that your needs can't be met any longer by this relationship. But, you know, the best thing is to find out to bring it into the light, forget about this online relationship, and deal with your life. Yeah, and it's obviously notable that in some part of you, turnabout is fair play. Your husband cheated on you, and yes, you went through therapy, but clearly there's some part of you that's saying, hey, you did it, Mm -hmm. and now I'm doing it. And that is why I'm convinced to some extent that you guys have more work to do. You are never going to get back to that point where you felt that thrill every time, the agony of desire, as Mm -hmm. it were, every time you saw that person. You know, if there was some such feeling, that pleasure center in the brain, then those rats in those cages would die pressing that particular lever, okay? But I think good, healthy relationships find a way to regenerate themselves. And that only happens when you actually can express your needs and desires and your disappointments you know this is a train barreling down on you and you're tied to the tracks. It feels like it's going to be awesome and beautiful, but there's no way that this fantasy relationship, if you try to make it real even a little bit, isn't going to be a disaster. You know. And the last thing you want to do is engineer that disaster because it was the only way that you felt you could express what you really need from your husband. Yeah. You know, one of the things I'm struck by when we hear these stories such as Torn's You know, we connected on social media and our conversation deepened and became romantic or sexual or hot. As she says, it becomes hot. Right. I really agree with this idea that it's a fantasy, that this is not a real relationship. This is an idealized, romanticized, sexualized exchange. But the flip side of that, you know, and this is in this sort of category of two opposing ideas being true at once, and that is 
in so many ways, those Facebook messages or emails or text messages that we can exchange with people, they can be very intimate. Yeah. You know, I bet you anything that Torn is having conversations with this man that are deeper and more interesting and more vulnerable yep. than she has with her husband every night, even she's sleeping in the same bed with him. Yep. I am absolutely guilty of this too. There's so many times that I'm busy, my husband is busy. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a day goes by and we're like, hi, honey. Oh, oh yeah, how was your day? You know, and, and there isn't that real connection. Yep. But meanwhile, tap, 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 we're both on our computers. And especially in something heady like this, like they're probably doing the things that people do when they first fall in love, telling each other stories about Who are you? their Who are childhoods you? and yeah. their past. And that's really intimate. So, so this is why love in the digital age is so incendiary and dangerous. I myself, you know, to honor my relationship with Brian and to really stay inside the, the tracks, you know, of my marriage, I've had to really be conscious of how powerful the internet is it's kind of like hanging out in a you know turkish naked co-ed bath you know it's like i mean you really i actually have to be conscious yep. because i've seen how that can go off the rails yeah and the hallmark of a good relationship this is especially true of a long-term monogamous relationship is are you sharing the most intimacy are you talking and communicating the most intimately with your partner where relationships go wrong, where there's a real risk of infidelity and adultery is when couples do not primarily talk to one another about what's going on inside of them and in their lives. That's the chief indicator. When things are going well with Aaron and I, when we feel connected, when we feel passionate about one another and that we're in it together as a team, I don't feel the impulse to start up something online or give in to the kind of quick, easy hit of narcissistic love. And I think I want to say to Torn, like that really is your job now. And knowing that there's some betrayal on both of your sides, it probably also means you need to let your husband know, I have been engaged, and it does mean, I have been engaged in this emotional affair. It hasn't gone anywhere physical, and this is what it means to me, and here's how it makes me feel. So Torn, you know, sometimes when we discuss these letters, we're like, well, you could do this, or you could do that, or you could do the other thing, and we're not sure which one is right. And I do think that there are some things that are just abundantly clear. And one of them is, you know, there's no way around the fact that you are living a lie online. You're damaging not just your marriage, but your life, and also his and in, in, in his marriage. You know, we found over and over again that deceit and fantasy and betraying the people who are closest to us this never leads us to the place we want to be in our lives right there's no shortcut that it's kind of sad to realize but the internet's like a big emotional shortcut and we find out over and over again there's no shortcut the shortcut is actually almost always over a cliff yeah but here's the thing torn it's also told you something deep and profound and necessary which is you have real needs that aren't being met and you deserve to be brought alive. And your tough work is to do that, not the shortcut, but to see anyway if it's possible within the context of your marriage. And then if it's not, honestly pursue that somewhere else in another relationship, but one where you're actually, you know, in the same room with the other person and able to actually touch them and communicate with them in ways that are adult and real and that will really bring you alive. I think actually it's incredibly hot and wonderful that two people can keep that alive in the face of real life, not fantasy life, but real life in the room. Yeah. We wish you luck. Absolutely. 
The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. But pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me on point for Elements of Energy, Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. So, you know, we had this amazing response to our social media call Who would have thunk it? A number of people <laughs> have lots to say about love in the digital age. No surprise at all. And I will say one of the most interesting was from a writer named Rosemary Counter. Yes. And she wrote us a letter and linked actually to an essay she wrote that was published in the New York Times Modern Love column earlier this year. And it told a story so fascinating and creepy that we thought we'd have her on the show as a guest. So we're going to call her up right now. Let's do it. Hello. Rosemary. Hi. Hi, this is Cheryl Strayed, and I'm here with Steve Almond. Hi. Oh, hi. Thank you so much for calling me. I'm so excited. (laughs) Well, thank you for agreeing to be on the show. We read your essay, and we were both just so blown away by your experience. Would you tell us your story? Of course. Um... So this was a while ago. This was 10 years ago now. And so it was kind of before everybody was on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. But we were on um, Craigslist. Craigslist. And uh, we used to hang, me and my friends, we would read the Craigslist misconnections ads all the time. And then one night, my friend Kate, clicked on one of them and she kind of squealed a little bit and she said, oh my gosh, this is you. And uh, the ad said something about, uh, I saw you last week at this um, club in Toronto called the Drake Hotel. You were there dancing with your friends. Um, You had red hair, which I did at the time. Described my outfit. I was just wearing a shiny black tank top and a pair of jeans. So Kate basically said, this is you, this is you. Email him, email him. So then um, we talked um, over email for a while, and then he asked me out on a date, and he said, I'd love to drive downtown and pick you up, which was a big deal for me at 22, because I didn't know anybody with a car in the city, right? And he said it was no big deal, because he was taking his brother to the airport, and he was going to be downtown anyway, and so it was great, and we went out for dinner, and we had this romantic candlelit dinner where he said all the right things and he said that he was just looking for the right girl and he was ready to settle down and I of course just ate all this right up then um, the next day actually he called me first thing in the morning and he said that he was taking the day off work because he could and he wanted to spend the day with me and so we kind of started you know, full speed ahead, and we were just going on endless dates, like three dates a day, and I was a waitress, and I, I would say, I have to go to work, and he'd say, can I drive you, can I pick you up later, do you want to go for a drink, you know, he was just very attentive, and I loved it, but it wasn't meant to be, alas. <laughs> so how did you learn that it wasn't meant to be? Tell us the end of this story. My friend um, Kate, the same one who found the ad, she, this is 10 days later, she kind of confronted me and I didn't believe her at first. I thought that she was jealous and petty and, you know, she didn't have anybody. And I had this great new boyfriend who had a car 
And she said, you know, there's something not right about him. It's too much. And she said that it was weird that I hadn't been to his apartment, which I hadn't been to. She thought that I didn't know enough about him. Um, and I didn't know very much about him, actually, because I was busy talking about myself and being self-centered. And so she was the one who said, you should call him and you should ask him, you know, if there's anything that he wants to say. And so I did that. I called him from a parking lot and I said, you know what, my friend, she she has a bad feeling about you. And is there anything that you want to tell me? And that was the moment that he just burst into tears and he said he was, uh, well, he's married, of course, aren't they always? And he has a kid and there's another baby on the way and he does not have a brother. It was his wife that he took to the airport and the whole thing had kind of been a setup while she was out of town. And then the worst part for me was that he had never at all been to the Drake Hotel. And the whole thing was set up with a vague description. Um, he put that up, set this trap, and let me walk into it. Mm. That's what's so interesting to me is you could have been anyone. You know, he wasn't looking for you. He was looking for someone like you. Yeah. But the fact that he was looking for me specifically is exactly what made him so appealing to me. Right. You were buying into a fantasy, and he was indulging in a powerful fantasy. And you can just imagine, and we've talked about it before, you know, the more pressure there is at home, and it's no coincidence that his second child is on the way, the more mm-hmm. oftentimes people react to that by saying, oh, well, maybe I can construct a, a fantasy. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really fascinating that as soon as you asked him a question, you know, he burst into tears. And it's it's almost, to me, like that piece of it, too, was staged. And it's a very manipulative thing. You know, he expects you to sympathize with him or feel sorry for him. Oh, he did this terrible thing to you, and now you're supposed to, uh, in some ways, feel as if he's the one who's been injured. How did you respond to his tears? Hearing you say that, I kind of feel like I am sympathetic to him, you know, maybe not at the time. At the time, I was really angry and I felt so used and naive, you know, I felt awful about it for years. But in retrospect, I think I do have a lot of sympathy for what was obviously a really unhappy marriage. And I know now that they have since split up. I don't know if it has anything to do with me at all, but I do feel that there was way more to the story than I will ever know. And in a lot of ways, you know, I'm lucky that I was just there for a week and a half and I got to learn a lesson and then tap out. You know, I feel really bad for his wife in this situation. Yeah. And what about this man? You said that you are aware that he's divorced his wife now. And you know that because what? You tracked him online? Because in... 10 years, all of a sudden, social media has changed and, you know, I can plug his name into Google whenever and I can see where he works and, you know, all the social media platforms he's on. He's got all these pictures. It's all the information that I could have used in the moment but didn't have. And so I can lurk him like a creep if I want to and I do see that he's been divorced and that's how I know that. Thanks so much, Rosemary. Oh, no, thank you. Keep doing your show. It's amazing. I love it. Oh, Oh, thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. I'll keep listening. Thanks. Bye. Our next letter is a different kind of relationship via the internet. Yeah. It's the way that we can essentially spy on each other. 
in this case with Rosemary, here was this man, you know, in so many ways, the internet shielded Rosemary from who he actually was. Yeah. The internet can also do the opposite thing. Especially now, because Rosemary was talking in right. a Pleistocene era of internet, and we now know, as she made allusion to, now we have access to everything about both who we might be romantically involved with and who they were involved with some time ago. So we'll hear now a letter that has to do not just with obsessing over your romantic partner, but maybe one of his previous partners. Dear Sugar, I have been with my sexy, funny, creative, and wonderfully ambitious partner for five years. After a few years of some extreme ups and downs in the beginning, I can say that we are very happy and have both loved building our life together. Despite my contentment and hope for the future, I find myself chasing after the woman he was with before me via the web. I look at her Facebook and Instagram profiles multiple times per day. I find myself wanting to emulate her looks and lifestyle as much as anyone can perceive online. And the resulting jealousy and discomfort sometimes influences my behavior in terms of how I craft my appearance. The funny thing about this habit is that I do not know this woman anymore, and I never did. We had seen each other on brief occasions while my partner and I were just friends, and I never really knew her then other than to say that she is smart, outgoing, witty, and a lovely artist. No matter how many times I've told myself that what she, like everyone else, posts online is often a teeny tiny fraction of an individual's happiest times in life, I still cannot help checking up on this woman and finding myself envious of her, in a variety of ways. My partner was with this woman when we began seeing each other covertly. They soon broke up and we've been together ever since. Does my continual chasing after this woman online mean that I still have something left to resolve about his betrayal of her? Or is she simply an easy target for my own insecurity? My heart is broken because I have compared myself so much to this woman over time that I fear I am losing my true sense of self in the process. How can I let go of these feelings of inadequacy and these impulses to find out what she's up to? Yours, struggling to find myself. Hmm. This is a really interesting letter. And, you know, I'm just going to cut right to this piece of it. Is yes, I do think that it's actually both things. I think that this woman is simply an easy target for those feelings of inadequacy and jealousy, struggling to find self. Mm -hmm. And I also think that it's no small coincidence no. that struggling to find self was the other woman. Out, out, damn spot. You she know, swooped this in. Is, yeah. This is now her boyfriend. And I do. I think that some of this stuff is now bubbling to the surface for her. Well, this is the psychological equation. It's probably not quite this clear cut. But it seems like it's something like, I took away this man from this woman, and I know that that wasn't the right thing to do, and I feel guilty about it because I'm an empathic enough person to realize that that would not feel good if I was in her shoes. And so, as punishment for that guilt, I will actually try to figure out what it's like to be in her shoes right. and obsessively punish myself. And it's such an interesting um, psychological move. I will actually find myself unworthy by looking at this woman, admiring her, thinking, oh, if only I could be her. And the fact is, in a sense, that makes you her because you're the person who's reaching after, who's in doubt, who's tormented, as I think you imagine she felt. But that might not be right. What we do know and can say for sure is you are obsessed with this woman, and that is going to drive you crazy. It's not bringing you happiness, and that means you have to stop, but you're only going to stop once you start to question, 
Why am I doing that? What does it mean? What do the fantasies of what this woman's life is like represent to me? What will I think will happen if I'm able to become her? And maybe it's, well, I'll get what I deserved in the end, but maybe it's more complicated than that. Maybe she represents freedom from being in a relationship, or maybe she represents whatever it is you're seeing in those photos. But people have a tendency to say, well, you know, the internet's meaningless, and all of the social media is meaningless. It doesn't mean anything. It's just a distraction. That's not true. Anything we become obsessed with has deep meaning, even if it takes the form of surfing from one narrative to another. That means we're trying to hide from some larger, scarier, more personal narrative. But even looking at the very things we fix upon when it is something that's persistent, that obsession has a lot to teach you. But you've got to take it seriously and say, why am I fixed on this? What fantasies are elicited by looking at her move through her life and imagining being her? Well, and I think it's also really connected to what girls and women are kind of sadly taught to do in this culture that values Mm -hmm. beauty so highly, female beauty. And, you know, we're constantly measuring ourselves against others. And when you're looking at a picture, you're looking at an image. And there's no question to me that, you know, a piece of this is about that kind of competition or trying to measure oneself against somebody else. And of course, there is no measurement. You are who you are. This other woman is who she is. And there's no healthy equation that you can make when you compare yourself to the people your lover used to love. And so, you know, I think working on your own sense of self-esteem, as kind as you may have felt towards this other woman, she was the other woman. She Mm -hmm. was your competitor. You won that particular race, but you lost another kind of more important, essentially human race. And that is coming out of it feeling whole. You know, sometimes the answer is really just as simple as saying, I'm not going to do this today. I'm not going to do it. Or you start doing it, you say, I'm going to shut it down. What's happening here is you need to say no to yourself. You have access and you need to remove that access. When we put out this call on social media about, you know, hearing people's stories um, from social media, we got one really interesting letter. And I think that she has some good advice uh, for struggling with self. She wrote to us that she had two experiences with past boyfriends where they were sending inappropriate messages to women online or or texting them. And she acknowledges that these things really scarred her as they reasonably would. Mm -hmm. And she found herself obsessing over her current boyfriend's online behavior, even though he hadn't done anything wrong and she knew it was a bad idea to be surveilling him in that way. So she took measures into her own hands and she blocked herself from this obsession by doing what? Unfollowing him on Facebook, unfollowing him on Twitter. And what she says, what what I think is really sweet, is she said she felt sad about it at first. It was really hard for her. Mm-hmm. It was like she was leaving a really fun party. Yep. But then quickly, she felt better. And I think you should think about why you're so obsessed with this woman and what your fantasies about her mean. But I also think that if you turn off your capacity to spy on her, basically, you will find that you're naturally might be happier and less self-questioning and self-doubting. And that will actually reinforce the behavior of not going back to that dark place. It's like you have to relearn how to feel happier and more self-fulfilled. You know, don't beat yourself up on this. This isn't like some crazy, weird thing you're doing. It's actually a pretty common common and natural thing. You just have to stop doing it, and you're going to be better for it. <laughs> 
Yeah. Good luck. We know you can do it. Love is really complicated in the digital age. One of the things that fascinates me is all in all three of these stories, essentially, that we discussed, the woman reconnecting with the college boyfriend and, and Rosemary having this whirlwind relationship that began with a lie and then this obsession with the other woman that our, our last letter writer has, is that, you know, what's happening at the same time is that they are connecting and disconnecting. And in real life, Essentially, our relationships generally just move in one direction. You know, it's, it's you, you connect, you meet somebody, you fall in love or you date or you have sex or whatever. It's, it's about connection. Whether it works out or not, you are having an, an authentic experience for better or worse. Right. And what happened in each of these cases online, uh, you know, this fantasy love that this woman has for this college boyfriend. On one hand, she believes herself to be so deeply connected to this man who is really an idea. And it's also compelling her then to disconnect from the person she actually loves, yeah. her husband. Yeah, and betray. You know, and Rosemary, is, I love this. It's, it's called, you know, missed connections. And I think so much of what's happening on the internet is our innate human desire to connect. Right. And, you know, I don't want us to come off as these like, you know, naysayers and spreading caution, you know, like stay offline folks and love can't be found there. That isn't the case. And yet I do think that these letters and so many others we receive and so many of the people who responded to our social media call out, and thank you, all yes, of you who did, absolutely. you're all telling that same story over and over again. And it is the ways that that so-called connection is actually really alienating in the end. Yeah, it's. I can say in my life, like my marriage is complicated. But when our screens go up, we are no longer with each other. And we're no longer saying the things that we need to say to each other, even the ones that are difficult. Because when we get led to temptation, it's because there are difficult needs or in, you know, parts of us that feel unbearable, out of control, or desirous in ways that are illicit, that we don't feel brave enough to say to the person in the room. Right. Well, thank you so much for another fascinating conversation steve i always love talking to you yeah now we can go back to our phones that's right yeah dear sugar radio is produced by wbur we are produced and edited by lisa tobin who doesn't even have any technology people don't know this she doesn't own a phone she literally moves through life with no access to electronics and she's usually dressed in bear skins oh my god this episode was recorded at Cybersound in Boston with thanks to Perry Geyer and Rob Whitaker. We urge you to please send your letters to DearSugarRadio at gmail.com. Send us your letters even though you have to use the internet to do it. It is prescribed and officially okay to send us letters via electronic means. Hi, I'm Erica Lance. Clearly, you liked Dear Sugar enough to listen all the way to the end. So I think you might like this podcast I produce, Kind World. Kind World tells deeply personal stories about the pivotal moments in our lives. She called me one day and she says, why are you choosing to live in our grief? And I said, I'm not. I'm choosing to live in your love. All of those women were witness to the darkest and probably most intimate moment of my life. And they gave me a sliver of light. I talked to all kinds of people about times when they felt scared or alone or overwhelmed and how they got through it with the help of others. 
I even thought I was a little crazy. <laughs> but then I'm like, wait, I could do anything I want. I could raise a million dollars if I want to. I could cure this disease. I think that he bypassed all that bullshit and just said, I see a human being who needs my help and I'm going to help him. Head over to WBUR.org slash kindworld or subscribe in your favorite podcast app. Thanks.